This is the responsibility of the gospel. We should be so busy. It should be like our, like how we work so earnestly for our daily income. Yeah, we work through the night sometimes. You know, we wake, wake up early. But when it comes to our Lord Jesus Christ from heaven, Sunday, Tuesday evening, one day a week, yeah, it doesn't take priority, does it? The most important commission ever given on earth. And the most important people who were ever commissioned in the 21st century. We are worried about our jobs. We are worried about our health. We're worried about our families when our Lord Jesus on the cross took care of all these needs. I'm going to give you just one thought to think about this. And I'm going to give a challenge to the listeners. The reason why the uh, fishermen left their nets was because when Jesus said, throw your net on the right-hand side and you will find. And guess what? When they saw that this man's word could produce fish, when they realized this man's words alone can produce their food, their daily bread, their business, everything, they left everything. That was the point of surrender. Sadly, brothers and sisters who are listening and our brothers in the studio, People don't trust the Lord Jesus to provide. Number one, they don't believe that the gospel can provide for their needs. If they could believe that, they would be ready to preach the gospel. We need to get to the point where my business, my studies, my job, my income is all dependent on the Lord Jesus. If he, if, since he died for me on the cross and since he can provide for my daily need, I'm a free man. I've got lots of time. I should be ready to preach the gospel. And this is the challenge. This is a challenge for every believer who has yeah. been called. I agree. I mean, 2 Corinthians 3, 7 says, Now the Lord is spirit. Where the spirit is, there is freedom. So, oh, liberty, if you want to use the proper term, right? So real liberation. I mean, if... Liberation theology only makes sense if you remove the devil as being the oppressor and overcoming as being salvation, mm -hmm. which which you've kind of, you've already kind of picked on that already. So I think the problem is is that people are assuming, well, they're essentially without knowing it, they're actually espousing a heresy, and it's called ethnophilatism, and it's the idea that churches should be based on race rather than geography. That's a, that's an ancient heresy, and it happened all the time because you have to remember the Jews and, and the Greeks, they were all kind of a proud people. They had a really big history, so they tended to do these things at times. People accuse, you know, even the Russians of doing it and stuff like that. But I would say, if you if you, just if you look at England, right, Church of England, that's the most ethnophilatist name that you could use, right? And it's like, you know, so we have to realize that, like, your race is not, like, your race like it your race is supposed to be christian uh you're supposed to be part of a, a christian race right because it's supposed to be that there's no jew or gentile um and i think the reason why you can say that your race is the i'm going to use the christian race is because when christ came there's a teaching that he didn't just take on 
Jewish human nature. No, he took on universal human nature. That's why all men can be saved, because he took on the entirety of our nature, everything, because he's fully human, you know? So the only way that we can become fully human is and return to what Adam had is by, you know, I, I picked on it last time. It's it's this idea of theosis, you know, becoming partakers of the divine nature. That's how you return to humanity. You only become truly human once you participate in Jesus. If, if you're not participating in Jesus, you're not truly Adam, right? So because we're fallen, people think that, you know, with, with race relations and stuff, they think that, oh, the reason why this race hates this race is because of, I don't know, they'll have all sorts of reasons, right? Without realizing that, you know, there's a meta level to this. There's spiritual things going on. The devil's trying to oppress people because he's the true oppressor. If you want it in a black and white way, he is the true oppressor. So he's using people as a way of enacting his energies, as in his workings, into the universe. Because if you want to think of it like this, the devil is trying to destroy. God is trying to, God is creator, right? The devil is like a destroyer. He's He is non-being, right? Because remember, evil is moving away from God. So the devil's trying to move everyone away from God to destroy everything. So that's true oppression. That is the true definition of oppression, to destroy everything, to turn man against man and to make everyone hate each other, you know? So I think the reason why people are sort of falling into all these, um, I'd call them heresies. The reason why they're falling into all these heresies is because they're not truly participating in the divine nature. You have to participate in that nature in order to become more godly. Um, that's why even Jesus himself says, doesn't it, isn't it written that ye are gods with a little g, you know? Because the whole point of the gospel is that you're supposed to become as God. You're supposed to become little gods, you know, because you partake in that same, you have the same attributes that are given to you as a gift. If you have that, you're not going to be racist. You're not going to be um, unkind. You're not going to be, you're going to have all the fruits of the spirit, right? Because that's what partaking is. So you, there's no need for like divisions and like, you know, all this kind of stuff because Excellent. God sorted it out, you know? Let me just add something to that before Reese, you want to come on. I wanted to say, um, you call me Lord and Master, Jesus says, yeah? And so I, I am. That's what he said. He said that um, no man can really surpass his master, yeah? He, he should, we should strive to be as our Lord Jesus, yeah? Now, Jesus, as you mentioned, is both human, yeah? He has a body and he is divine. Did you know that? Because he was human, he limited himself to, to our uh, frailties, yeah? This, what you see in the Gospels are not hi just historical stories. They are lessons that every human has to, first and foremost, when they come into the kingdom of God by repentance, once they recognize they are sinners, once they've been convicted of their sins and they recognize that they are going to hell, they realize, I must cry out to my Savior, the only man who can save me, the only God who can save them, is our God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah? In his name, repentance is preached in all the nations. Yeah? And we need something more than that. We can have forgiveness of sins, yes. We can have peace of mind. We can have peace with God. 
But that's not enough, surprisingly. It is not enough. You need power. You need power against sin. That is the reason why the Lord Jesus sent power. The disciples were ready to shoot out, yeah, and, and, and they were waiting to do things. So, you know, they were ready to take on the world. But you know what Jesus says? Don't go yet. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to receive power from on high. Now, he knew something they didn't. They were, their minds were on Israel. When's it going to be restored? All this and that, yeah? It's a bit like us, isn't it, yeah? Our minds are on political things, yeah? Politics around the world. But you know what he said? You need the Holy Spirit, the comforter. That I promised, the Father promised, he's coming. And doesn't this prove from the book of Acts how important the Holy Spirit was? Look at the way he's mentioned. Look at the way the deacons were chosen. It says, choose out seven men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And Stephen was leading among them. And guess what? He was so powerful that the so-called philosophers of the day, the uh, synagogue of the Libertines, there you go, the liberal gospel, yeah? The Cyrenians, uh, Cyrenia sounds like North Africa, yeah? Uh, Alexandrians, North Africa, I guess, uh, Cilicia, Asia, all around the world, they started disputing. There's too much disputing going on in the world. You know what Paul says? Avoid foolish questions. Don't waste your time on that. Preach the gospel. We haven't got time about genealogies and was Jesus the son of this. We haven't got, that's what the Jews were uh, going around trying to say. He wasn't really the son of David. We can prove it from this lineage. This is the real guy who's coming. He's from, yeah, that's all nonsense. He was so full of the Holy Spirit that they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. That's verse 10. They couldn't resist it. Where do we see that, brothers and sisters, today, where people are on the street preaching the word of God, they're on a, on a, a social network uh, website or something like this or a forum or a podcast where they can't resist but the Holy Spirit is speaking. Yeah? The only option left was to use false witness against him, just like they did against Jesus, and have him stoned to death. But God had a plan. Through the death of this man, the whole church spread throughout the world. And another one like him, even more powerful than Stephen, Paul, comes on the scene. See how God transformed? So that could never have happened if the Holy Spirit wasn't present, acting, and that's what's missing. Today, we've done something. We have offended the Holy Spirit. You know how we offend the Holy Spirit? When we deny his word. He's telling us, don't listen to this, don't do that, don't go there, don't agree with this, challenge this, challenge that, stop this, stop that, and guess what? We're not hearing. How is it possible that God is speaking and we're not hearing? I'll give you an Old Testament example. You know when there was a famine and Elijah went to this widow? When he had been in um, the brook Kidron ran out and uh, the, the birds stopped coming and so forth, so the Lord said to him, go to this place, yeah? And there's a widow, I've commanded her to sustain you. I have commanded her to sustain you. But when he got there, she was about to make uh, her last meal and, put, and, and to, to die. She was said, I'm making my last meal. Me and my son, we're going to die. God spoke to her, but she was about to die. Is it possible for Christians today to be hearing from God but because of the circumstances, 
They allow their feelings, they allow what they see around them to blur out God's voice, to, to, to ignore, to overcome and to throw out the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's why it says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. He's already warning the church what's coming ahead. Now, I'm not um, sort of saying to us or three, um, sort of uh, entertaining ideas of persecution or anything like that. I'm not. Yeah. But the way that the world is moving around us, yeah, you can sense danger. Yeah. He knows the dangers, but the churches are not recognizing the dangers. There are people that are involved in funding, which we mentioned earlier, organizations that are trying to infiltrate churches. Paul says, there were, I was in perils amongst false brethren. There were Judaizers going around that made a mission to go to the churches that Paul had set and overturn them. And this is what's happening today. There are enemies of the gospel throughout Europe, throughout America, throughout the world that want to destroy Christianity. And they're looking for ways academically, financially, socially, media. All of these weapons are in Satan's arsenal. And guess what? If you have eyes to see, you will realize he's already trying to use them. And this is the danger of the social gospel. The churches are carrying on as normal, not recognizing the powers leaving. The power seems in some places to have completely gone. But people still feel we're doing everything we can. We're holding together. We've had a rough time. We've had a pandemic. We've lost so many people. But look at what's coming. Just check your church news um, items. Check those items out. Where did they come from? Yeah, I'll give you one, actually, that I noticed. Um, just last one before I finish. The Intercultural Church Conference. That came across to our church. The Intercultural Church Conference. I was thinking to myself, that, what does that sound like? That doesn't sound right to me. The Intercultural Church Conference. So I researched it. And I found out that it goes back to the Evangelical Alliance. And it goes into things like global warming. It goes into veganism. It goes into climate change. It goes into the social actions. Mm -hmm. It goes into all of those things. And yet, those flyers are being distributed to every member of the church. And no one has actually stood up and said, should we be watching this? Should we be listening to this? These are the snares coming through. Sorry, yeah, I mean, maybe it might be good to end with some recommendations for people who are kind of worried about this. What what can they what can they actionably do? You know, um, to sort of like maybe something along the lines of maybe talking to the pastor, trying to get figure out what he's what his thoughts are. Um, just how can they safeguard themselves from uh, things like this? Maybe that's a good thing to sort of bring up. That was the that's the thought I had in the back of my mind because it was my personal recommendation. Um, I guess it's a twofold thing. I know they said that you, you don't necessarily have to know the opposing position, you just need to know your opposition well enough. But in this instance, I think it, it pays to know how this framework works. So when you start hearing certain phrases and words being used you then have that discernment to say, oh, okay, 
Let me just verify whether this is just a candid thing that's a slip of the tongue or someone digging their, their heels into this particular um, worldview and then um, maybe build a body of evidence first to say, just to double check to see whether other people have got the same thing. If it's needs to be a case where they're leaning towards it, then yeah, go to your pastor. Because they might not necessarily know that they're, um, they're that's where they've got themselves entrenched. Um, you might be saying, no, no, I didn't mean it that way. It's like, okay, well, um, I've noticed that there is this particular worldview out in the world that uses the exact same language and the exact same narrative and the exact same structure. If that's not what you're, um, that's not what you're about, could you consider maybe either addressing it or from now on try and change the way you're doing it? If it's a case where they fully believe it, then that's a different thing. But I think um, certainly understanding how framework works um, and how it operates is a very good thing. So in terms of like um, with Marxism, essentially the core of it is the, the thing about the oppressed and the oppressor. And in order to, like we've said, to liberate the oppressed is not to um, necessarily just like vindicate them, is to completely destroy those who have been oppressed and then um, Give whatever resources they've got from the oppressors to the oppressed but then they can be essentially liberated and if they don't tell you that what, what happens if the, those who've been oppressed then become the oppressors they don't explain that side but um you'll generally hear that as a case of so, oh you know this is happening to people x and is happening via people y in order to make people x better we need to do something to people y uh, we yeah. need to get people on board to do such and such. When you start hearing things like that, it's like, oh, okay. Let me do a little bit more research as to why they kind of lean in this way. Um, and I don't want to be too controversial with the things, but, but I don't know, because I um, did have a chance to listen to the convocation thing, and I wasn't sure whether this was popping up then. Oh, you know, there's many people out there who are this. You know, they just need to be accepted, okay? Yeah. Like that. But you need to be, you need to be more clear with that. I need definition now. I need because you're. Are you telling me that I need to? There's one thing to accept. There's another thing to affirm. Are you telling me I need to affirm? Need to come with that judgment? Mm. Mm, I don't know. They, say that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's not just okay. Yeah, we can kind of take that out of context, but. You kind of need to set the framework out, and it would have been, um, to be fair, I wouldn't say it was kind of shut down, but in a case where it's like it wasn't necessarily addressed, or um, nobody wanted to try and understand it more clearly before they said anything. But for me, it was just like, I need you to kind of tell me what you mean by that. Because if you're saying that we need to start accepting everything, in my head, I hear progressive Christianity. That's what I hear. It's okay, we just accept everything. Jesus is totally fine with it all. Exactly. Out the window, judgment, all that out the window. It doesn't matter. God just needs to accept you. He's a God of love. That's the only part of the Bible we're going to read. Like, mm, okay, if that's the case, yeah. I need to approach you and be like, that's your, you know, I understand the, the little bit of the sentiment behind it all, but you are taking the entirety of the Bible out of context there. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of understanding the <laughs> framework. Yeah. As and when it comes up, pulling those weeds out. Um, mm. But then, yeah, once you understand that, it's kind of moving forward. So you might get ostracized for, like, oh, you know, you're being a heresy hunter. Well, no, we kind of need them. <laughs> yeah. We kind of need them. You know, these, 
You're right. I did hear. I listened to you know the convocation, and this is what I heard. Yeah. I, I took note of it because um, one man said that when he was younger, his father used to go to it was a, a Sikh, yeah, and he would take his father would take as a Christian would take off his shoes because Sikhs when they go into a temple or into a house take off their shoes. Now that's a sign of respect. Yeah, that's not a problem. Yeah, but then he says that the Muslims are descendants of Ishmael. Yeah. You know, Abraham's. He said they come from Abraham. They originate from Abraham, yeah? Then he goes on to say that when the Muslim prays on his mat, you should also take out your mat and pray with them. These were his exact words, almost verbatim, yeah? It's on YouTube. You can check it yourself. And then, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that made me question, what are you saying? And then, yeah. Mm. Then, other one was a gentleman preached on Isaiah 6, yeah? And he's the message of Isaiah 6 to him was that Israel had moved away from the true worship of God. That's what Isaiah's message was telling. He said that because they had moved away, they were not doing true worship. It affected their military, affected this, it affected that, yeah? And his implication was that we have moved away from the true worship of God, yeah? Now that all sounds very nice, doesn't it? Sounds all... But look carefully at Isaiah. That's... What does it start with from Isaiah 1? It starts off with... I'll read it for you, actually. And I'll give you in the King James Version for now. It says, A vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah, Jerusalem in the days of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. Look what it says. Hear, O Israel, and give ear... O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Is this worship or is this sin? Worship is a nice, tame word. doesn't have much connotations. So you stop worshipping God properly. That's not as bad as you've rebelled against me. And then why did God reveal himself to Isaiah? Because he was already a minister. He was a preacher who didn't know God. As part of that society, a religious society of those wicked people, he was their part of them. God, out of his mercy, gave him a vision, but he needed to repent because he realized that he was a man of unclean lips. It wasn't worship, it was sin. Sin was what had happened in the book of... And if you read further, it says the judges were corrupt, they loved rewards. The widows and the orphans were being neglected. So God gave him a vision of Jesus, our Lord. We know from the Gospel of John, it was Jesus he saw on the throne. He said, I saw the Lord, yeah, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. He saw the Lord Jesus. And Jesus sends him on a mission to preach what? He became a preacher to preach the Gospel of that time. It wasn't to tell them to worship the Lord in the right way, was it? So can you see how using tamed language, instead of using the word sin and rebellion, we use things like out of, um, what is it, um, 
wrongdoing in a sense or you know punishment uh, rather than sin and judgment they use uh, words that are really dulled down i was left confused when i heard that message i didn't know what that message meant i certainly didn't feel convicted or anything so oh, one final thing jesus was challenged by some men regarding this social gospel issue yeah one of them was did you hear about the um did you hear about Pilate? how he washed his hands in the blood of those people who rose up in some kind of uh, rebellion they they brought this to jesus to try and see what he was you know what he was going to say he, he and he said do you think there were uh, any worse sinners than anybody else what about the ones who were uh, i don't know how many thousand died under this wall in a particular place yeah this wall came crashing on them do you think they were worse sinners but i tell you the truth unless you all like unless you repent you will all likewise perish so these social agendas and all these injustices in society whilst they are so important whilst they are so uh you know um heinous yeah in 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 that sense yeah you cannot drop the gospel you cannot use that as an excuse to say that we should not repent that men should not repent because that's what satan is doing he wants you to say look how bad this is look how bad that is you start focusing on those areas instead of actually doing what the lord jesus wants going out and preaching the gospel that men's hearts may be turned and then this evil and its root will be dealt with which he which he sorted out on the cross i want to hand over to you gentlemen or to Reese who would like yeah, to yeah i mean i've got a couple of recommendations to anybody who's watching um that there's like a checklist you can go through to see if you, if you manage to get a chance to speak with your pastor or priest or, or whatever um ask him a couple of questions you know you, you have to know like what doctrine they believe because you know paul says if anybody comes preaching a different gospel other than the one that we gave you be an angel reject them right so the first thing you have to do is ask them what does romans 127 mean and if they start going well, it means this or that then you know you got a problem instantly right if they start trying to change little things here and there, oh, our, our senakoitoi, that doesn't really mean that. It just means, you know, boys or something. If they start doing things like that, you got a problem, right? Let's move on to the next thing. If they start saying that, um, I don't know, they start believing in Marxist causes like BLM or anything like that, if they fully believe that, you got a problem. If you ask them about, um, I don't know, What's some other things? If you ask them about like social ills, like um, maybe it's the the uh, the stabby, you know, the the stabby. Um, um, if 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 the, you if they say, oh, you know, we we fully believe that you know everything is on this, maybe you got a problem, right? Um, if you uh, there's there's so many things you could just go through the news. If if anybody elevates something else other than God, <laughs> other than Jesus, then you got a problem, right? So you can give yourself a little checklist of things that you know that are what they historically meant in the Bible. So for instance, one to, uh, Romans one twenty seven. everybody knows what that means, right? Throughout the history of Christianity, everybody knows what that means, right? If if they start taking certain doctrines like that and trying to you know flip them or give them different meanings, like for me, I saw during um, Trayvon Martin, that whole thing, 
people were doing Eucharists with Skittles and what 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 was the um the drink that was taken as well? There was like a drink that was taken. Um, so they used the drink that he took and the Skittles that he took, and they made that into some sort of Eucharist. So they were picking Skittles as the Eucharist, which to me, that's like, well, okay, now you're idolizing something, right? Um, so if people are doing weird stuff like this, that's just not in line with what's come before. They just take those things in that way. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You can die. You, I mean, if, if you're coming from a, a Protestant background, you will say spiritually. I would say that you can physically die as well. Um, it says that when people approach the table um, and they weren't in the right spiritual mind, that they many of them fell asleep. So you can fall asleep if you don't do the, the Eucharist in a, in a respectful, reverent way. Okay, So definitely go up to your pastor or your priest or somebody who's respected in the church. Ask them a couple of questions. Probe them. What does this mean? What does that mean? If they come, if they give you the wrong answers, right, and you and you you can't just do this with one of the elders or something. You have to go to all of them and see what they get a consensus between all of them. If your whole leadership has the same idea, they're a unified front, you know, in a very kind of anti-Christian way. For me, I don't know. You can either reform the church inside the church because it says, you know, if you've got a problem, you should bring it to the church, and if you know, the church, if they don't believe what the church says, then they should be excommunicated or whatever. You can either reform it from inside the church or you just leave and go to a different church. I mean, that's kind of the situation you have, in my opinion. And and also you can just pray as well. That's probably going to be more powerful. Um, so I would, that's what I would say, but that's, that's my two cents. Yeah, I can agree because I think that it's even like at this point, um, it's you're already kind of like putting a little seeds in for future conversations like the fact that like you talk about the passage of Isaiah that automatically throws my mind to the fact that we might delve into people for the because the fact that nobody's mentioned that is kind of like so, mm, okay so how do we approach scripture so like for me one of my pet peeves is when someone is like oh yeah I'm going to use this scripture out of context to give you a message that hopefully God's given you that for how does that work? <laughs> Why would God testify of his word and use it out of context to give you a message that would already be within the that just to me does not make sense and it's kind of like lazy, but that's a that's a bugbear for me. But um uh, like you're saying, like the there's another thing that we are probably looking into um when it's time to jump ship. Like when you obviously we want to help these churches get better, but they're probably will come a point in somebody's life where it's just like, okay, on what grounds should I realise that I um, I need to leave? Um, so there's one thing I heard from uh, an evangelical in America, his, his name's Todd Creel, that um, he said, oh, we'll hear the maximum for you. We're not called, we're called to, um, to be serving for the church, but not to uh, serve and build up a good church, but not to fix a bad one. It's like, oh, Okay, that sounds interesting, but like, surely you'd want to try and help these believers, but then I think he, in hindsight, I can kind of see where like there's just certain churches that you can't do that with, but then obviously God is not blind to what's going on, and these churches that do begin to go wayward, he deals with. Some of them just aren't here anymore, so I can take comfort in that sort of thing, but um, I think, yeah, the fact that 
we should go forward should be not as at least a warning sign because like, you know we're kind of drifting wayward maybe we need to come back because it's like no we're not listening to you we've got this first you know our church believes this or our organization believes this we're going to go with it mm, okay but then if somebody else comes and somebody else comes and you ignore it then obviously there's going to be a, a divine intervention of some sort um, there is dangers there it's when if you know from god's word some things are very very clear yeah? Mm. doesn't matter if it's an organization or a church or an individual if they go against the word of god that's not something we we're called to entertain mm. it's please god you know if we if if we know from god's scripture it says for example home you know homosexuality is abomination yeah if this church that we go to starts saying well we need to start loving our homosexuals yes love them i am for that that's what Jesus died. He died for them. He, can anybody love them more than he did? Christians are not enemies of homosexuals. We are called. We were sinners. We were worst in some cases, yeah? Mm. No our sin. That's not, we're not condemning them. We're just saying there is a God who sent his son to die for sin. Homosexuality is a sin. But he wants to save the person for whom he loves and has a plan for their life. The reason why it is a sin is because it, it brings down God's image. God made male and female in his own image. You go against that, you are defiling God's image. You become his enemy. God is not trying to destroy you. God is trying to destroy sin. Because it, God is a holy God. God loves sinners. God loves homosexuals. The people that are on the street that are oppressed because of color, because of inequalities, can anybody know more than he does by his Holy Spirit? If you give yourself to God's Holy Spirit, you repent, you say, I want to be used of you to help those people, you can make a difference. But if you start joining ideologies that sound good, you're going to be no good to anybody except Satan. My good cannot match Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. The man who knew everything, the smartest man and the richest man that ever lived, greater than Solomon, more patient than Job in suffering, better than King David, better than Moses, better than Abraham, better than Paul, better than all the leaders of this world. Why is he walking around like a shepherd? The one who put this, uh, the world into order, this universe, the one who makes it tick, the one who understands greater physics than you and I can ever imagine. The one who is knowledge, yet he is a humble, gentle servant. Why? Because he knows better than we do. He knows our sin, and he knows the solution to our sin was him. There we blaspheme his name. There we blaspheme his word and say, this, is, this Bible here is wrong. When he sealed, it's written in his blood. That's the problem. People seem to think that this word of God, you can just blaspheme it left, right, and center. Well, I can tell you something. On the day of judgment, this book will be sitting there. It'll sit there, the same book that you blasphemed. Our Lord Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Anybody listening, Jesus is a loving Savior. 
We may not be representing him properly as churches on the earth, but I can tell you he has already demonstrated his love for you. He loved you so much that he took your sins. It wasn't his sins, or it was your sins, my sins that he took to the cross. That's the true gospel. The man who can give you, who could bring fish, the man who could create food, the man who could raise the dead, he can certainly save anybody in this world, no matter what sin they're in. We are not haters. We don't hate sinners. We don't hate sinners. We know how bad sin is because our sins have been washed by the blood of Jesus. We know how of an enemy it is of God. That's why we are behaving like this. Not because we hate people. Not because we are bigots. Not because we are unjust. Yeah, I agree. Um, sin and God can't exist in the same space because... Light and darkness can't exist in the same place. Wherever light goes, darkness is destroyed. So if you are covered in sin, that's what happens. That's what hell is. You become engulfed in fire. Our Lord is, our God is an all-consuming fire. That's what the scripture says, right? So if you're covered in sin, if you're like an infection, because remember, sin is like an infection. It's a, cre it's a creeping demon waiting to take over. And it doesn't just affect you. It begins to defile the whole tabernacle, the people. It spreads like an infection. So you've got to you've got to catch it at its root. Okay. So yeah, that's 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 what I would say. So yeah, I affirm everything you said. It's, it's a billion times worse than COVID. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine Definitely. what that would be like in terms of lockdown and um, infection controls and measures. An that's eternal lockdown. Sinners are separated <laughs> from God. That's why yeah. we are quarantined in our sins. Imagine having an eternal lockdown. That's where we will end up. An eternal, everyday lockdown, oppression, yeah? If we don't turn to the only solution, and that is the Lord Jesus. The one whose blood is the vaccine for sin. What a loving God, what a loving Savior that even though we, uh, I hear his name blasphemed almost every week, every day. Jesus said, whoever blasphemes, uh, speaks anything against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. What a loving God. But anybody who blasphemes his Holy Spirit, the one who actually saves us, they cannot have forgiveness of sins in that state. Over to you, Reese. Discernment is going to be redlining on that one. So I'm going to do that live. We've never done it live before. We're going to see how that goes. Um, but it's, yeah. If people don't know what discernment is, they will learn next week. <laughs> very, very, very quickly. And then you might come back to this like, okay, yeah, I'm going to take this on because this is a lot easier than what we'll see next week. Um, but yeah, no, thank you for this. Because it's hard we saw that it has kind of disappeared. Like, we've kind of like gone, oh, you know, we've seen error of our ways. Okay, that's kind of, but I feel like it's literally just, it came out into the open when everything was going on. And now that everyone's focus has kind of shifted to something else, it's kind of like, I'm still present, but because the light's not on me, I'm going to pretend that I'm not here. So it's a, it's a twofold thing that we need to speak of. But then I do feel in myself that it's, you know, just need to start preaching the gospel more, but like, Preach to ourselves, sit there, meditate on it, dig into it more, unpack it, 
realize what it means for us say blessed professors which is a place to just sit on it for a week observe each and every word read in english read in greek look at the hebrew <laughs> just let it go just marinate in it and then you're good to move up like all of this has happened for me it's like um i've been doing it with uh is it ezekiel ezekiel 36 i've just been sitting on that for the past two or three weeks and it's just like even that I think that's been telling me it's just like if God's kind of shown that you know he's had to intervene more for them because it's like um you know his name was being profaned but it's about that you know I'm gonna lay all these things out in salvation so then you're walking my statutes and you're also growing from my name and etc etc and you see how that um plays out in the New Testament so to that just even getting my head around that it's just like there's a massive intervention like a Trinitarian intervention on, on that sort of front but it's sitting in that first and really soaking it all in and then you'll see how that then permeates out your change in the way that you act and how you see things you'll adopt a more biblical worldview and then things like things like this coming up and it's like, oh you know you're in your workplace and people saying you need to you know this is the kind of thing we're pushing for you won't go oh i'll carry into the corner you'll feel them you know you, there'll be that emboldness in you to say I'm happy to stand alone with me and my God on this topic. Come what may, if you want to take my job, take it. It was never yours to begin with. It was given to me by God. And I would rather take him than keep the job. I will forsake everything. I think Paul calls it um, uh, catechal scupula. Catechal <laughs> like rectus. Yeah, get to that stage where it's issue just like everything is worthless. The only thing we're clinging onto is Jesus Christ. Like I, I, I'm trying to encourage that in myself, but then it's trying to encourage others to do the same. Because I was like, you know, let it, let it go. Like if you're gonna stick up like a sore thumb, stick up like a sore thumb. But like we said, you know, you can't mix light and darkness together. We're supposed to be stick on the hill, which is light, the beacon. Like be that beacon. You can't hide it. If you're hiding it, then there's a problem. There's a problem. Do you want to slide in darkness? When I can start to that persecution is something we should run towards, but we should try to be prepared for it. Like you only have to look at what's happening with America now that uh, Roe v. Wade has been um uh, it's been disseminated, and now churches or like all Christian organizations are being targeted. It's just like okay, now America has a chance to kind of get the right together. <laughs> all the foolishness that was going on before. It's Absolutely, like, oh, okay. uh, it's a wake up call. It's sobering. So it's just like I can kind of see the grace in that, but you know. This thing that they people have been advocating for has dropped, but then you'll see in the darkness come to light, and it's not like, okay now. Christians have to engage; they can't just hide in the corners anymore. So, as very much as I, okay, I'd hope that things don't happen to us. We should still be prepared for them. I'd rather, as I think I've said before, I'd rather be a soldier fully equipped with every piece of equipment in um, a field of lilies than to be naked on the battlefield. <laughs> I'd much rather the former. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping that in the future we can kind of stimulate that. Um, the, guess, the... uh, you brought something to my mind, which I'm going to just share with you very quickly. The soldiers, you know, the Ukrainian soldiers that held the uh, Russians off for three months underground, yeah? Mm -hmm. When they came out, they've surrendered now, but they held the Russians back for three months, yeah? Did you see some of them had missing arms and legs? They, you know, they were they were shot, they were wounded. You see, 
they were fighting now whatever people's opinions are about nazis and, and this, that's not the issue yeah they were still fighting an enemy and they were trying to preserve their land look at it just from that for now yeah and they gave their blood so many of them died in there yeah? they came out yeah the christian journey yeah the christian soldier you can find lots of verses of what i'm talking about yeah must recognize that to stand up for the gospel yeah requires an element of sacrifice thinking about the greater cause and for the lord jesus yes suffering for the lord jesus we're not looking for suffering we're looking for the lord jesus unfortunately the suffering could be the road that we might have to go through we are not looking for that we are trying to find our lord jesus yeah um so i was just Which, touched when you mentioned about being a soldier kind of thing you know how the bible uses that language i have to commend those men that have suffered you know in ukraine held on a modern army with weapons and bombs and everything that that is incredible one thing i'd add to that is um with the suffering um the apostles when they first suffered and they were kicked out didn't didn't they say something like uh, we're glad that we've been counted worthy to suffer for his yeah. name so it's it, suffering is like a gift like if you're if you're suffering for the name of god then you've you've, you've been counted worthy so that's like yeah. uh, something to to be happy about right i'm not saying go head forth into it and try and find it we don't we're not uh, people who have persecution complexes as as uh you know these people try to say oh you're you're a christian with a persecution complex no we don't have to have a persecution complex because i could say if i say just romans 127 in public i'm gonna get persecuted i don't even have to try and look for that right so it's not about that it's the idea of have you been counted worthy because only certain people uh god knows who who's worthy to do that because it takes a certain type of person who's been training if you want to use a military term they've been training in a basic camp by with scripture and all this kind of stuff ready to go into battle so it's only the you know i mean even paul his himself he uses lots of military language he refers to timothy as his um private <laughs> you know and he's the general who's um and he says to timothy you know um who who is it better for you to please is it better for you to please the people outside or you're the one who's brought you in as in the one who's recruited you he actually says is it better to please somebody out there or is it the one better to please the one who's recruit uh, recruited you right so military language we shouldn't be um scared of using that either that's that belongs to us anything that's true belongs to the church because the church is the pillar and ground of truth so we can take anything that's true and claim it for christ because it's well christ is the king of the universe right so <laughs> it belongs to us so um yeah that's that's one thing i'd add to that good good it's edifying it's thing. sorry um maybe sometimes maybe it's me sometimes i leave the impression somehow that I'm superior or because I speak like this, it comes across as if, who are you? How can you judge churches? How can you speak against pastors? How can you do this? You know, and I don't want to come across as being someone superior that seems to have, you know, something I'm not, I'm just as frail 
just as open. I pray for the people that I criticize. I pray for their families almost daily. And if I speak wrongly, I ask others to check that I haven't spoken wrongly. I spoke to my pastor today to apologize if I've offended him in any way. We are not loose cannons. We are servants of our Lord Jesus. And if we, we are part of a body and I don't want to hurt anyone because if I come across that because I have a great, I may seem that I think might think to myself, I have great understanding. It doesn't make me better than anyone. It puts me more at danger actually, because you need the Holy Spirit to keep you in check. You need the Holy Spirit to make sure that you don't lose yourself. We are not criticizing people because we think we're superior. We're just concerned that people are not discerning what's actually going on. We love them. It's like in your own family. You're not going to sell your family out if you see that they're, they're going, uh, something is going wrong. You're trying to help them. You're not going to hand your family over to, to, be, to the authorities or something. You know, we're not doing that. We, we're trying to help our fellow believers. You know, This is wrong. Please stand up and fight it. Please challenge the, the false teachings. Please, when you hear a message that doesn't ring right and you know it's not there's something wrong, but you're still going along and promoting it or saying nothing, keeping silent. So we pray, you know, that in case we haven't offended our brothers and sisters, we're, we're trying to look after them. We have a duty to care for them.